0: i um, glad that you're here today. We're going to finish up a series called The Unseen War, and we're just talking about uh, spiritual warfare, but the practicality of that, how you do that. So today, actually, I'm going to talk about what's working. was listening to a uh, college football recruiter, famous. Um, if I named the team, you'd know it instantly, and you'll probably pick up who it is. They've had great success over the last 10 years, right? They've put together incredible teams, struggling a little bit right now, but uh, have really put together... Kathy goes yay when I said they're struggling. You know exactly who I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Starts with an A and ends with an A. How about that? Does that help you with? Yeah. Um, So, um, listening to him talk, and he's done a tremendous job on the recruiting, but they were asking questions. What do you look for? In a player, what kind of player do you look for? How have you been so successful when other teams are unable to do that? And of course, there's a lot that goes into that, a particular program, the amount of money, that type of thing. But this guy's been really good at identifying players. And so here's what he, he said, um, you know, coming out of high school, if you make it into college, everybody pretty much has been heads and shoulders above everybody else playing high school ball. But you, all of a sudden, you hit uh, college, and you're not the best on your team anymore. You're just one of many good players. So so how do you separate who's going to make it? Uh, and not only who's going to make it, but who's going to start, and then ultimately, who's going to have a shot for a, a national championship? And he said, so without fail, I teach our guys on the first day of in-pad practice when they begin to tackle. He said, there's always students who have never been hit this hard before, and they'll get hit, and they get knocked down. And he said, they will not jump back up right away. And while they're down, they're thinking, is this worth it anymore? And a lot of them make the decision that it's no longer worth it. So when they get up, they walk off the field and they don't play anymore. And so he said, so that's a player we're not looking for, right? Duh. And then he said, then there's another player who will get hit and uh, it'll knock them down. They'll get back up and maybe they'll allow that to happen three or four or five more times, half a dozen maybe. He said, but it's just too much for them too. And he said, they pretty much just, they censure themselves off of the team. So we're not looking for that. He so, said, but then there's the player who gets hit and immediately jumps back up, and he gets hit, and he immediately jumps back up, and over and over and over again, he does this, and he never gives up. And somebody said, so that's what you're looking for? And the recruiter goes, no. What's left? He said, we want the guy knocking all the other ones down. That's who <laughs> we're looking for. Okay. Here's my thought and my point. I think many times in the church when we're teaching spiritual warfare, We're teaching it from the point of view, hey, if you get knocked down, just get back up. Don't quit. And while I do believe that tenacity and grit and determination is important, I think we're teaching it from the wrong point of view because the Bible teaches us we are invisible spiritual violence to the enemy when we are doing spiritual warfare, not of our own, not in our own ability, in our own mind, but when we're walking in authority, when we're walking under the anointing of God. The Bible says that anointing breaks the heavy yoke, the rock, to pieces. The Bible says that Jesus came to tear down the works of the enemy, and we are supposed to be doing the same things. And I think often the church is in a defensive mindset rather than an offensive mindset. So we pray all the time, Lord, keep us safe, protect us, watch over our children. How about this? God, make us so dangerous that the enemy no longer wants to mess with us. There should be a penalty that if you hit someone, there should be a hit coming back. And at some point, then you pick on the ones who are not hitting back versus the ones who are hitting back. Why don't we ever teach spiritual warfare in that light, in that realm? Because literally, we are here to help bring heaven to earth, to dismantle the works of the enemy. Do you agree with that? And to forcefully advance the kingdom of God. That's what the Word says. So as we teach today, that's what I want to teach. What's working right now? How do we win? How do we move forward? How do we forcefully advance? Uh, We could go. This morning, uh, I landed back uh, at Denver <clears throat> from being in Peru for five days. That's a quick turnaround. Go to Peru for five days and get right back. I just, you know, some of those trips I have to make, they're not vacations, they're ministry. We support uh, a missionary there. <clears throat> I told the story last night. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you real quick. Um, so several years ago, I don't remember, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, was a man in our church whose brother was a missionary uh, in Peru and he, he was actually a board member in the church and so he kept asking me over and over pastor uh, I'd like you to consider supporting my brother support the the ministry down there so for us I'm not saying everybody needs to do it this way but here's how we do it if we don't have a relationship with somebody we don't support them we want to know them we want to know that the money we're investing those dollars are precious dollars And there are so many places around the world, they're really doing good. And some are just paying overhead. And how do you know the difference between the two? Well, what I've learned is paper doesn't show you very much. Go and look for yourself. See what the fruit is. Check it out for yourself. So this guy, he just, you know, come with me to Peru. Come with me to Peru. And I I kept telling him, hey, I don't have the time. And then I I can't afford it. So the guy finally, um, he he cut to the chase and he said, if I pay for you to go, will you go? What am I going to say? Okay, I'll go with you. So went to Peru. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, it was one of the worst trips I'd ever been on in my life. Um, I, I, it, it, I was going to say it's not disparaging, but it's totally disparaging. Uh, it was a, it was a bad trip. I didn't respect what they were doing in ministry. Uh, not that uh, his the motive was to take care of um, of young girls who had been pretty much tossed aside. Right, and while I think that's valuable. And I think that that's worthy. This is a, a man there by himself spending inordinate amount of times with young women who are desperate for attention. And I just noticed they were hanging all over him. When he would sit down, they would sit on him. These weren't little 5- and 6-year-old girls. These were 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. I felt like this just isn't, this is not appropriate. So then what would happen is so starved for attention They'd, just, they'd hold your hands wherever you went. They'd throw their arms around you. And I had this thought. I hope Chris doesn't see this. Can I just say to you, that's like warning number one that you shouldn't be doing something like that right there. And even though I believe it was innocent, it didn't look right, and it's that kind of thing that the enemy can use to set up a situation. right? So I spoke that to the person, and he didn't like it. And, um, and then because I spoke it to the missionary, then his brother didn't like it, and it caused this clash, and so I'm just like, what's the first flight back to the U.S.? I need to get on it and get back to church. So these two guys are mad at me, and I'm like, why did I come here in the first place? And, uh, and maybe you disagree with that. I totally, I, 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 just to stress it, I think that the ministry is valuable, but I think that you've got to be careful in situations like that, right? It just, you've got to be careful. So um, we go to the airport. We had a translator, translator that was working with us. Her name was Patricia. And I'm trying to make small... T- can you imagine how awkward the conversation is now between me and the board member and me and the missionary, right? There's not a lot going on. Hey, I think the Broncos are playing today. You know, that kind of <laughs> thing. So um, I turned to the translator, and I just... Uh, do you get a lot of groups from the U.S.? I'm just trying to make small talk till we can get on the plane. Do you get a lot of groups from the U.S.? And she said, uh, yeah. Uh, we have one group that comes from Alaska over and over again. Now, listen how weird this is. And at this point, I'm asking myself, God, why did I come here? I felt like, you know, I, it wasn't just trying to be nice, but that maybe you had a connection here, and I've wasted, I've wasted kingdom dollars, and then I've wasted precious time, to be honest with you, and why was I here? So this lady goes, we have a group that comes from Alaska. Well, I had a buddy years and years ago when Chris and I, in 98, the Lord had given us a dream to plant Jubilee, leave Northern Colorado, come to Denver, no church here, no building here, no people here, just come to Denver, follow me, watch what I'll do, and we did that thing right there, we were faithful, we followed the Lord, there was a guy in Northern Colorado that went to the church we were at, and he... Um, it's Chris and I were the only ones who knew about the dream. We hadn't made it public yet. We hadn't told our children yet. We hadn't told parents yet. We, had, we were just, was just between that. We were pondering those things in our heart like Mary did with what the angel said to her, right? We're just, Lord, is this really what you want us to do and should we do this? And so this guy calls me and he says, Pastor, can I come to your house? I believe God's put something in my heart you need to know. He was a friend. We let him come over and he said, the Lord told me you're going to be leaving here and planning a church. And I want to help you in that. So we had a certain amount of money that he wanted to give us. And we looked at it like, hey, it's a confirmation. Could you imagine how do two people, how do they just decide to leave and go plant a church? How, I mean, how do you know it's God, right? I was, Lord, please confirm this. And this was, this, there's no way this guy could have known unless the Holy Spirit told him, right? So that guy comes and he helps us plant the church. But he's driving all the way from Fort Collins down to Denver he did it for probably six or seven months. Super faithful friend. Helped answer the telephone, whatever we needed. That's what he did. But he owned a bed and breakfast up in Alaska. Are you beginning to, like, put dots together real quick? And he decided when he moved back up, when he when he left here, moved back up to Fort Collins, he actually sold. He had a restaurant at Fort Collins, too. He sold it, moved to Alaska, and was running his bed and breakfast. And his time is, uh, we just lost touch with him, right? Nothing was wrong, but... There's just so much going on in our lives all the time and much going on in his lives. We lost touch with each other. I hadn't heard from him in six years, seven years, eight years, something like that. I'm in Peru. I asked this lady, you get any groups coming from the U.S., just trying to make small talk. Yes, we have a group from Alaska. How many people live in the U.S.? What is it? Somebody last night yelled out a lot. That's not an answer, right? That's true, but 300 million? 350 million people. Okay. I don't know what the odds of winning the lottery were, but I bet this is right up there with it. So I say to her, when she said, we have groups from Alaska, I said, oh, do you know a guy named Larry Good? I knew he was in Alaska. That was it. And she goes, Brother Larry? Yes, I know Brother Larry. I'm like, can't be, there's no way it can be the same guy. She said, he's down here right now, I'm going to call him. So she calls him, hands me the phone, I hear his voice and I know instantly. This is the Larry Good that I know. So I said, Larry, do you know who this is? He said, The voice sounds familiar. Keep talking. So Larry, it's John Leach. He goes, Ah. He said, I was thinking about you earlier this week, and the Lord put it on my heart to try to get a hold of you. So now you could go, Come on. It's, are you embellishing this? Are you just preaching right now? What, what are you just preaching right now? That's a <laughs> polite way of saying lying. Are you just lying right now? So said, No, this really happened exactly this way. So he said, We're, I, I'm in Peru. I was down here looking at another ministry that's, that's in Peru. It was not a good situation. He goes, can I come tell you about our situation? So he meets me at the airport, tells me what God is doing, and asks me, will you promise will you come back? Promise. Okay, I promise I'll come back to Peru. One of those promises I don't know if I really intended on, but I needed to get on an airplane, right? So, <laughs> like, we go. Next year, I went back to see what God is doing, and it was everything that the first one wasn't. Not only are they feeding people and not only are they making a difference with the orphan and it was just so powerful that for those that have been here for a long period of time, I've sold two motorcycles raising funds. The first one, $100,000 was the total amount we raised off a motorcycle. And The second one, we raised $230,000 that we divided up over several missionaries during COVID that were really hurting bad. We as a church have invested well over a million dollars into this area, feeding programs. And so uh, he got a new building that they just, they just got it built. And he was like, come down and see what we're doing right now. And I'm just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to go. Let me give you a picture real quick. This is what it looked like. Uh, that's, there it is. Uh, the handsome guy in the front. You can ignore him. Behind me, Casa de Luz, House of Light. So uh, look to, to our left, right? That is a typical house in the area called Comus that we're in. Tin roof. This is actually a better one because it has cinder block walls on it. Most of them find like a billboard or something and then put that up to be the walls on it, right? It's a very poor area. And in the middle of this area, they have built this This wonderful building, the day that I was there, a week ago, Saturday, they had 220 little kids running around that they were feeding and their clothing. They gave shoes. You gave shoes out. You should say amen to that. Because you can go shopping for shoes anytime you want to. I watched kids cry when we were handing shoes out last week, man. Think about that. You and I go, we take such things for granted. These little guys were trading in shoes that look like for brand new Reeboks. One of our guys had a connection to Reebok and had a bunch of shoes sent down there. So we gave out shoes last week. And then now they've started, um, they're training kids how to do haircuts. They have a little barber shop. They're training them how to save money, which you think, I mean, how difficult is that? We live here with high income and small savings. It's hard to save wherever you are. I went to a house, maybe the poorest house I've ever been in, dirt floor, just every cliche you could imagine. Six women being tutored for three years by a ministry that Casa de Luz is connected with, and these six women had saved up 2,600 soles. That's the currency there. It's about 600 U.S., but when you're making less than 30 a month, think about, Yeah, think about that, right? And they showed me their bank account. Look at how much we have in the bank account. And I'm like, oh, here's what this is. This is breaking generational poverty. It's one thing to feed somebody. It's one thing to give somebody shoes. But it's another to teach them how to make their own money. It's another to teach them how to manage their money. It's another to free them from the thing that the enemy... Why do we always think defensive? Let's just feed somebody. Why don't we teach them to feed each other? Amen. Why well, not we help them with micro loans to start their own buildings, right? And to get their own businesses going. I met another pastor uh, this week, a guy from the Sudan, who he sat down. Jim brought him in to, to meet with me, and he sat. I didn't tell this last night, but I saw you, and it jogged my memory real quick. This pastor sits down with me, and he goes, We started 9,000 churches all over northern Africa, basically, central northern Africa. Now, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of times when they say they started a church, that means a goat a man and a a Bible. We got a church, right? This guy goes, here's what qualifies as a church. You got to have 50 believers baptized and you've got to have, was it five? Five leaders. He started 9,000 of those. Uh, Wait a minute. He needs $12,500. I didn't say this last night. I'm talking to somebody sitting in here. Help me with this. They've lost 27 pastors in the last two years to violence that have been martyred, 27 pastors. And they're trying to bring these pastors' families and the remaining pastors in for a conference to help refresh them and renew them. And I'm thinking he's gonna need $250,000. I need $12,500 to get these pastors to come in. Maybe you've been praying about Is there a place that I could sow? Is it okay if I just go off my notes for us? I just feel like I need to do this. So maybe maybe it's not one people, maybe there's three or four. Maybe you could give two or $3,000, but we need to raise this money uh, for this person. And we could do it from what we have right now, but I feel suddenly like I'm supposed to throw this out to you. How do we become offensive minded? How do we just not try to take care of tomorrow? How do we knock the enemy? off of his high horse and what he's doing in different parts of the world where people are stuck in generational cycles of poverty and they can't get free. Let's not think, let me give them a meal. Let's think, how do we move them back? Or excuse me, move them forward and move the enemy back. So maybe the Lord is saying something to you. Maybe you need to pray about it. I don't know, but I feel like we need to raise that. We need to raise that money, $12,500. It's a lot, but it's not a lot. So if you want to help with that, see me. See one of the pastors, Terry or Kim or Chris or Amy, uh, Jay, Kathy, David, any of us. Talk to us. We'll, we'll tell you what to do with that. And, uh, Jim, can we get pictures with once they do it and kind of show the church what it is? I think it's a new ministry that we want to come alongside and help. Anybody knocking back darkness is my friend, man. And that's, uh, that's what I want to do. Huh. I don't know. I didn't say it last night. I didn't even think to bring it up last night. But I, um, let's be practical about what we're talking about. So just while we were there, I just saw for the first time, the ministry's been good, but it's, for the most part, been about how do we just get through the next month or two. Now they're thinking generational differences. Gosh, I want to make a difference with that right now. So, okay. Um, so what's working? If you're taking the online notes you want the fill in the blanks, there's only a couple of them today. Uh, I will make this quick. While I was in Peru, they asked me to speak a couple of different times. And uh, a buddy of mine from the church, James Reuter, was with me and Larry Good, who's the missionary down there. And I only spoke for about 20 minutes. And James Reuter was like, I I can't believe you only spoke for 20 minutes. And I was like, don't tell anybody back at the church that I'm capable of doing that. will. I will... I will go through this quick. So if you're taking the online notes, here's the first one. What's working right now? What do Chris and I find successful? How do we see the offense and not the defense happening in life right now? And just quickly, I just say, you you know, I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. This has been a distracting time. It's been a difficult time. You would think opening the building and you, you achieve the goal, you know, it's satisfying to the soul. The truth of the matter was we were trying to build it all during COVID. We ended up at a school for nine months. I lost probably 400 people during that time. I don't know where they are right now. And even trying to contact them, I, I, it's, it's like they've just disappeared, like, like mini church rapture or something <laughs> like that. And I'm so literally... It was just a difficult time to guide it, uh, to raise the money, to push it across the threshold. I mean, during COVID, we're not just fighting uh, disease, but we're fighting our government, who's trying to close us down during that time, right? It It was a difficult moment. And it took everything that we had as a team and as a staff to get it across the finish line. And I underestimated, listen to my words, I underestimated the battle. Because I felt like if we could just get it over the finish line, the end of July, we'll get the building open, everything will be good. I can kind of take my hands, I can rest a little bit. Uh, We fought the good fight. Now we'll get the reward for fighting the good fight. Here's what I did not I just didn't contemplate it. The enemy was not going to let up when we crossed the finish line. He's going to pour it on, especially if you pull your hands back a little bit. Don't you know that's exactly when? So all of a sudden, man, we cross over the finish line, and it's just like one of the more difficult times in ministry to move things forward. And to keep things going right. And like, God, what is that? And so just feeling discouraged about that. And like, God, wh- where are you in all of this, right? So I found myself in this place of like, I, I don't want to just be defensive and just survive. I want to thrive. Amen. Yes. Any thrivers in the room? Yes. Four of us. That's awesome. May the four of us be so contagious that the other ones leave here infected yes. with enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> You know, you might go, you know, that guy's got a lot of hype in him. If I was in my 20s, you could say that. But hype died a long time ago. Not hope. Hope is alive and well, but hype died a long time ago. Next year, when the calendar changed, this will be our 25th year since we planted the church. You don't make it 25 years on hype. You make it on hope and reality, right? And so what I'm teaching you right now, what is working, John? What what is moving forward? Where are you finding success? Okay, these two things. Chris and I just, we talked about this. Here's where we feel like the Lord is moving, and we are seeing offense, not just simply defense and spiritual warfare. One, two are better than one. Say that with me. Two are better than one. I, I feel... I was going to use the word I feel bad for, but it's more than that. If you are fighting a battle all by yourself, the difficulty of that is really self-evident. How difficult is it to do anything all by yourself? Here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. Solomon, who is writing a book similar to Proverbs, similar to the Psalms, and that he's writing, here's information for how to live successfully in this life. Look at his advice. Two people are better off than for they can help each other succeed. That right there, that should clue us in. Two people help bring success. And look, here he breaks it down. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help the one who has fallen. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? He's just using analogies here. And then look at this a person standing alone can be attacked. How do we move from suddenly where he's teaching about how to do life to warfare? So, would you agree with me that the word attacked has to do with warfare? So, I think he's giving advice. Here's how you don't do life alone. Do life with somebody. If you're not married, that doesn't mean you're at a disadvantage. Although if you are married, you could be at a great advantage. Every married person could have said amen right there. Not looked at me like I've never heard such strange, foreign concept. Are you talking in tongues right now? We need an interpretation. What's going on? Come on. Let us say it one more time. Not that if you're not married, you're at a disadvantage. But if you are married, there is a certain advantage. Amen. Oh, very good. Very good. So (laughs) that you have someone there that if the relationship, I don't think there's any more powerful force on the earth, listen to me, than a married couple who's one under the anointing of the Holy Spirit when they pray. There's something powerful in that. And if when I say that, you feel like, "Ah, Pastor, I wish that was true or I wish you'd move on from that. No. (laughs) Something's wrong in what's going on with you, not me. I'm right about what I'm saying right now. It's a force field to be reckoned with. So a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back. And what's that word there? Conquer, Conquer. offensive, move forward, doing something great. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Usually when I use this verse, it's in a wedding. And so I'll pronounce over a couple, two are better than one. Because they get a better return for their labor. And you know what's even better? The third chord. Who's the third chord? God. Bring God into your life. God into your relationship. He wraps around and will strengthen you. You are formidable. Come on. Come on. If you're like, I don't feel very formidable. Aren't you glad you don't live your life by your feelings? There's another message. (laughs) I also tell you this. This is Jesus in Matthew. If two of you, how many? If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Gosh, if we only took the word like it was literal. If we only believed it when we read it. If we only didn't think it was theory, but we thought this is practical and it works and I just need to do what it said. So this isn't about married people. This is about two friends. This is about two people who go to church. This is about when the service is open and I have the prayer people up here and I invite you to come for prayer. If you are fighting alone, you can come forward and have people agree with you and there is power in that. The Bible says two believers agreeing on any one thing in my name. I'll do it. Do you believe that? Eric, do you believe it? Yeah, I, do I too. believe it. Yeah, I, do too. I never, look, if you're just like, ah, I, just, I thought he would slow down when he got older. Wrong! <laughs> I don't want to slow down, man. I want to be more excited about Jesus at 60 than I was at 30. Mm. Thank you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there amongst them. What, What we're finding working right now for us is to not only pray together, but to pray with our children, to pray with our staff, to pray with friends. The encouragement that I've needed during this time, I could not muster on my own. Listen to what I'm saying. I would wake up in the morning and I would try to rah rah myself into victory. And you know the problem with hype? Hype makes it till you get out of bed. (laughs) Hype makes it to the front door of your house. Hype makes it till you get in your car. Hype makes it till you come face to face with someone who's opposed. how much opposition is there in the world today? Man, we're finding, so let me just, I'm just going to talk. Would you agree with this statement? Don't know uh, a great majority of your personal situations. Some I know, not all, but I bet if you're a believer, you can agree on this. One of the areas we see the enemy attacking today is with young people in terms of their identity. Yes or no? I've never seen a struggle. So, pastored, Terry, you've pastored how many years? Pastor? Yeah, can you hear? Yes. Yeah, that's part of. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I'm with you were you either sleeping or you can't hear. Now, which <laughs> one? How many years have you pastored? Almost 50. Almost 50 years. Okay, almost 50 years. So, can you agree with me on this? That identity issues today, especially on young people. it's What you and I grew up with, that we took for granted. So uh, what did we take for granted? That there are two sexes. Yeah, Yeah, or nay? Don't be afraid, right? This is the problem. The church is so marginalized, we don't even know how to speak to it. You know what the Lord told Chris and I this week? Do not be afraid, listen, to speak about things That the Lord was not afraid to create. Don't be afraid to speak about those things. If we are marginalized and we won't speak about what the Bible says, who will do that? Who will speak up? And when I say that, that doesn't mean you go on the attack. That doesn't mean you run through the world. You're not a kamikaze for Jesus. He doesn't need that. He needs skill. He needs wisdom. He needs understanding. He needs knowledge. But we're dealing today with generations that the enemy fully is attacking in who they are, why they're here. And then here's the strangest thing to me. So maybe you follow. They're asking advice from other people who don't know why they're here and are struggling in their identity too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus taught a scripture that The blind can lead the blind. And they both end up in a ditch. And that wasn't harsh language. It was to make a point that when you ask someone who doesn't know, they're going to tell you what they don't know. If you're like, I don't understand that. Dude, the well is not that deep in my preaching. Come on. It's just not, man. I'm just... I'm solid, but maybe not that deep. So hang on here. So think about this for a moment. If you, if you buy a product to learn the purpose of the product and how to use the product, you've got to go to the manufacturer. You don't ask someone else who doesn't know how to do it, how do you do this? Does that? I told that story with my snowblower years ago, bought it. I, anybody else not need directions? I have enough testosterone. I do not need directions. So I tried to start it and start it and start it. I'm like, oh, it's got to be bad gas. Dump the gas out, go down and get new gas, put it in, pull it, pull it. Sir, Nothing. It's a faulty machine. Bring it back to Ace Hardware. I need a new machine. Sir, This it's brand new. I, obviously, somebody didn't know what they were doing. Give me a new one. Got a new one. Bring it home. Put gas in it. will not start now I'm just thinking Japan (laughs) so my last ditch effort was to pull the instructions out and on the instructions there was a little button that said on and off it was only marked in bright green and as soon as I flipped it on Hold it one time, cranked right up, man. It's been an awesome snowblower since then. Now, why why would you talk about how dumb you are in front of everybody, Pastor? Because it's the equivalent that when the creation asks another creation, Why are we here? It's only the Creator knows. He picked your personality. He knows why he put you in this generation. You're not here accidentally. You're not here because your mother and father. Preach. I'm trying. Come on. You're here because God willed you into this generation because your life has a seed in it that the other people around you need. And if you say that is not true, you have bought a lie from the world. You are deceived. You are held down. You are pushed back. You will never fulfill. I've got adults in this room older than me, who do not know why they're here. So they settle for less. I'll just make a lot of money while I'm here. Or I'll chase a lot of fill in the blank while I'm here. Eric? I know pastors who lose vision and lose purpose and end up just, they do all sorts of crazy things. And we ask her, how could this happen? Because they're trying, all of us want meaning and purpose in our lives. Every one of us, yes or no? Yes or no, we all want to know my life matters and it counts. And when we don't know that, we are then susceptible to other people telling us, here's why. Mm. And I'm not being ugly. And if you're like, Pastor, you just don't know what you're talking about, are you sure? It's Chris and I, with our grandchildren right now, We don't feel like the only thing we have left to do is pray, we feel like the first thing we need to do is be praying right now, praying offensively. Not, oh God, please rescue them. Oh God, make them so dangerous that the enemy doesn't want to mess with them, God. Put them in a situation, Father God, where they have to give a reason for why they're excited today in this world. Don't leave us in a place where we can sit on a couch, go through time, watch a television program, and be okay that it all ended that way. Give us a reason. And it is there. And if you sit here and you think, I've asked that a million times, ask it a million and one. Yes. Keep pushing. Never give up. But go offensive on this. Chris and I have started this little. We do three mini devotionals every morning. Because we feel like right now we need to double, triple down on where we are in life. It's been one of the best times in the world. The devotions are just okay, but the prayer afterwards is Awesome. God, now I get up waiting. I get up before her. Now I make noise to make her wake up. (laughs) I used to be super quiet. Now I'm banging, clanging. Here's my question. Pastor Jake asked it about a month ago, month and a half ago. Who can you go to war with? John Stubbs, who can you go to war with? Aaron, who can you go to war with? I don't mean... Who are you gonna fight with? I mean, who do you trust to have your back, and whose back do you have? Yep. Who would you trust when the chips are down to say, "I'm really struggling right now, and I need you to pray with me"? And no, they're not going to take that information and go tell everybody else what you're struggling yes. with. Yeah. Who do you have? Good. My goodness, we show up here and we put on better clothes than most of us wear during the week. <laughs> we smell better, and we <laughs> we're on our best behavior. But who is praying with you and who is fighting with you and who is caring about you and who knows? And don't say, well, pastor, you know. Do I? Mm -hmm. Much of what I do is to try to exhort, right? I I have the gift of exhortation on me. Try to make people believe that when Jesus said, I came to bring life and not just any life but abundant life, that is true, it is real, and it is now. And it wasn't that he just gave it to me. He He is not a respecter of persons. He loves you as much as he loves me. And I am convinced that I was put on this earth to do this, and yet I found myself in recent days feeling, I use these words, I feel lost right now. Anybody else feel lost right now? It's lost. God did not call us to that position, but he can use that position to reignite us in our purpose to move forward. Mm. (laughs) All right, here's the second one. I'll get off that. Here's what we find is working right now, and I believe that the Lord reminded me of something that I need to remind you. So I just put it this way in the notes. Use your authority. Use your authority. Well, let me explain authority real quick, because I'm not sure that we all... So I think we have an earthly appreciation for authority, but we don't have a heavenly appreciation for authority, and they're not synonymous, and um, you don't need a human to confer on you authority because God has already given you authority. And sometimes we're waiting for someone to recognize that I have authority so that I can move forward. Stop that. I'm telling you today, you have all authority. I'm going to show you. And that if you took that literal and you took it serious and you moved in it, not waiting for someone else to tell you it's okay but you just decided today, I'm going to believe God and I'm going to step into this thing and I'm moving forward. Man, you become dangerous. So this is Jesus, Luke chapter 10, his words. Look, I have given you what? Over all the power of the enemy. How much? If we only believe this when we read it. Leslie, if we only believed it, if we were only convicted by it, if we only felt like, Kayla, this is true. And it's not, there's no little junior version of the Holy Spirit, right? God doesn't have the pint-sized version for younger people. The full measure is available to you, available to me, available to a 10-year-old. Yes, Yes, do you agree with that? Available to a teenager, I know, hard to believe, but... (laughs) There's no junior measure of the Holy Spirit. And if we, oh my goodness, I've I've been convicted by this. I'm preaching just more at it and trying to be offensive. We're going to turn over a generation of young people that the best we've given them, the legacy is, well, we gave you church. Ah! We need to give them the Holy Spirit. What holds you in place is not a new, you know what? I am not excited about coming to this new building. As nice as it is, I'm excited that today there's a possibility revival may break out. I'm excited that when we go to the altar this afternoon, right this morning, whenever I get done, at some point, (laughs) there's the chance for people to be prayed for and to actually be set free, right? To find out who God is, to not just believe that the whole thing, which is we were going through the motion. Those people are so dizzy. They just believe anything. We don't just believe anything. We know it to be true. You can argue with someone's philosophy, but you cannot argue with my experience. What God has done for me is real and is true, and I remember who I was before. I've never forgotten. I know who I was. I know what he's done for me. And we convince ourselves in all sorts of funny ways that the best we have to Go to youth group. Ah, man, youth group's awesome. We've invested heavily in youth pastors and a whole room over there for them. But my goodness, the best that we have to offer is not a couple and a room. The best that we have to offer is that God knows you and loves you and will fill your life and set you on fire and change everything that you believe to be true about this world. Your paradigm will be changed. He changed mine, and he can change yours. That's right. And that's what he wants to do today. That message is not lost. It is not down. But we've exchanged, gosh, ugh. I love church. I believe that church is the hope of the world. Yeah. Ultimately, it's how God moves in this world. But it's about Jesus, not about buildings, not about programs, not about coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me talk about authority real quick. Luke ten nineteen, uh, we just read, I've given you authority over all, all, So how does authority work real quick? Okay, listen to my two statements. Uh, The lowest form of leadership is title. So here's what I mean by that. Like, if you're like, like, how about if I started the meeting this way every week? I'm the pastor. Now, if any of you are wondering, I'll show you a business card right now. The letterhead says my name on it. I have a tag on my door that says, Pastor John. You're going to listen to me because I have a title. Would you even be here? Not very long. The highest form of leadership is authority. You can buy somebody's time, but no way can you buy somebody's heart. People give you their heart because they recognize position in your life. You know what keeps you here right now? It's that we have agreed together. Pastor John has authority to be our pastor. I can't force you. No, one's got, no one has you here making you stay here other than if you're a teenager and your mom and dad make you stay here in the, in the building right now, right? But you're here because you want to be here. Is that, that's what holds you in place right now. You agree with that statement? It's a th- so if I, have to, if I have to tell you I'm the boss, guess what? If you have to remind your employees, I'm the one who started the company, something's wrong. If in your household you, I'm the dad. And then you look at your wife and say, is it okay if I say, <laughs> I know how it works. I'm the boss, right? <laughs> is that okay? I'm funning. Can I have fun? don't care what you say, I'm having fun. Uh, so authority, authority, when we started the church, there was no denomination who said, okay, you've served for six years here, and now we want you to come here for a space of time. All you need to do is occupy a building that's been built, step into a role that has a title. And I'm not saying that those things don't work, I'm just saying to you, I waited for no man to say, you have authority to go do this. The Lord himself told me. So how do you know you heard from God? Look around. Yea yeah or nay? Yeah. Yeah. But the proof is not whether or not there's people that follow it, the proof is whether or not I was obedient to what God told me to do. Yeah. In the relationship and the obedience are levels of authority that you step into. Do you remember two weeks ago I taught on the seven sons of Sceva? If you weren't here, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, uh, there was a Jewish high priest named Skiva. Sceva. He had seven sons, hence the seven sons of Sceva. And they saw the Apostle Paul boldly confront the demonic. And he would cast out the enemy and people would be set free. And these guys used human reasoning to say, maybe we can do the same thing Paul is doing, but there's a buck to be made. So they must have had some level of success because this is their chosen profession. They're, they're traveling exorcists. That's what they do. And so they come uh, to a situation with a man who is fiercely demon-possessed, fiercely in bondage, fiercely... And this is what they say. Do you remember the quote? We command you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Not the one we know, not the one we preach, not the one we believe. We command you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And that must have worked to a certain degree because there is power in the name of Jesus. But we're talking about deeper levels of authority. And so this is what happened. The demonic in the man spoke back and said, Jesus, I know. And I'm aware of Paul. Who are you? Uh Uh-oh. Right? It's like, uh, what else could we do to make a living? And so it it says that the demon overpowered the seven of them, beat them up, sent them down the street naked and bleeding. This is not a, like the way you want your spiritual warfare to go. Yeah. Right? And if that's what we're used to, if you, like your story is, well, but I got back up and I went back in. Stop. The demonic should flee. People should be set free. Jesus said, you'll heal the sick. You'll raise the dead and you'll set the captive free. Do you believe that? When's the last time you practiced it? If you believe it, you practice it. It was all good till right now, huh? All right. So I told that story. Let me give you one more in the same book, Peter and John. This is the difference of authority actually having a relationship with Jesus. This is where authority comes from. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, every day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he did what he always did. He asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and then Peter said, look at us, exclamation point. The lame man looked up at them eagerly, expecting them to give him some money. And Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. Look at this. In the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, in the name of Jesus that the seven sons of Sceva got beat up, just look at the wording real quick. I'm trying to teach you something simple. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk like they know this Jesus. Like they're not distant. They know him and they know what he's saying. Right? You can't do this unless you know God is telling Jesus said, I only do what I've seen the Father do and I only say what I've seen the Father say. We should do the same thing. Amen. I'm only going to say what I heard God say and I'm only going to do what I saw God do. Ah, yes. Come on. So in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Would you be a little excited? Oh my! Peter and John act like, "Eh, you're the first today. (laughs) But the man jumped up, stood on his figgy, and began to walk. Then he did these three things, walking, leaping, and praising God. He went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising. What do you think a service would be like today? But if we don't believe it, we'll never try it. And if we don't try it, we'll never see it happen. So let me just throw this out to you real quick. And I'm not, this is like a humble brag, right? Listen, have you prayed for the dead to be raised? I have. Three times. What happened? What happened? you would know if it happened. But just because it didn't happen doesn't mean it doesn't work. So the worst thing we do is to take our theology and lower it to the day we're living in rather than to take the day and hold it up to the theology of what's truth today. So we live in an age where people say, so those things don't happen anymore. What are you doing here this morning then? You you could have stayed home and watched the Broncos. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, come on. Come on. (laughs) I really. We. What do we? What are we doing here if we don't believe in the miraculous still? What are we? Why are you here? So motivate me, Pastor. No. Activate me. Activate me. You're an invisible violence to the enemy's kingdom. Jake, man, pray over those kids. Grab hands together and go to battle. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your church. Every time, if there's any need in your life, when we open these altars, and by the way, I, for the time being, I'm just going to open the altars after every service, just believing that the best thing that can happen here is for God to show up and touch people. It will not be through what I say. It's going to be the Holy Spirit of self touching people. That doesn't mean that my position is It's what God called me to do but a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit is more important than me. So that when I pray and I don't see those things happen, I don't grow discouraged. It just means, one, there's something I got to learn. Two, Jesus said, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Gosh, we give up too soon. The enemy is yelling at us the whole time this doesn't work. How silly. What is wrong with you? We get discouraged. And then we're like the person who gets knocked down. And the best we think we can do is just to get back up. I admire the grit, but I want to see victory. And I need some hungry people who want to do it with me. And Maybe you're not there yet. Stick around. We want to be infectious. We want to get you. I think the thing that I've seen maybe that's the most discouraging thing today is that people of faith have had their faith kicked out of them. Rise up. God, I wish I could go up and down every aisle and look you in the eye. I wish there was something in me of the Holy Spirit that I could just impart to you right now that would make you go. Uh, I'm going to go again. I'm going to believe again. I'll finish it. Let me, let me just do this real quick. Authority comes from relationship with God and boldness in the Holy Spirit, it does not come if you're waiting for me to say to you, okay, now's the time. I've been saying that for 25 years. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Mm. That's it. Oh, cool book. Um, I say that's it, and then I got something else. You know what it means when a pastor takes off his watch? Nothing. family in our church, um, her mother wrote this book. It's called Victorious Spiritual Warfare. So simple, grandma can do it. <laughs> and it is one of the more practical books I've ever read. And I'm just enjoying it right now. And I, I mean, imagine all my desk are books I get given every week. I never have a chance to read all of the books that I get given. So to stand up and endorse one, I, But this is one that's just been super duper good. And if you're like, Pastor, I want to take this more serious. I want to learn more about this. This book is great. It's an easy read. It's just super practical. Victorious Spiritual Warfare written by Maureen Broderson. And if you're like, "Uh, I want to, can I come see? I will leave it. um, I'll leave it up here. Don't steal my book though. Okay, need this. May the Lord. No. Yeah. Kathy, you go, no, no. Don't put a curse on it don't steal my book. Um, All right. Hold on. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And only if the Holy Spirit is present are any of these things possible, God. I have no ability in myself It's you and you alone. Father, every one of us, we focus and recognize it's Jesus and Jesus alone. I know people are facing things right now where they're convinced, I I need this. If I could have this counselor, if I could go to this place, if we could have this experience. I'm telling you the truth when I tell you everything you need is in this house right now. God is in this place. He is well able. He is more than enough. All things are possible. All things are possible. While I'm teaching, I may mention a few things. Maybe identity is a struggle. I hope that when you heard me, you noticed I didn't mock anything. Struggles are real and when we struggle God cares about our struggle Jesus promises to never leave us or forsake us so if you're dealing with something that you consider like I couldn't even share this then I'm asking you don't listen to the enemy the Lord is here two are better than one If two agree concerning any one thing, I'll be there and I'll do it. So prayer team, I want to ask you, come ahead and get in your places, if you will. While they're doing that, if you'd keep your heads bowed for just a second, let me identify something. If you need to go, I'm going to dismiss you. If you're a visitor... We'd love for you to go to our first five. It's just across the lobby. You'll see the signage for it in there. We have a gift for you. If you've never found out how to get plugged into Jubilee, you don't have to be new to go to that meeting. It's just what's the next step. And if you're interested in taking that, we want to help you. We want to be on purpose about it. And so when I open the altar and invite people who need prayer to come down, Those of you who don't, consider yourself dismissed if you just leave with reverence this morning so that we don't interrupt what the Holy Spirit is doing. For those of you who feel like you need prayer this morning, I want to invite you to be bold. I want to invite you to have faith. If you feel like, Pastor, what you said about faith just being knocked out of me, kicked out of me, squished down in me, there's no shame, there's no embarrassment in that, but the the crime would be the, the 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 bad part would be to leave here that way. There are people who want to pray with you this morning, who want to believe God to touch you, to minister to you, to bring life in your situation. Maybe it's physical in your body, maybe it's emotional. Maybe there's something that's just grabbed a hold of you, a habit, an attitude. Something that's beyond what what I can identify right now. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you feel ashamed about that or you've just given up. Don't. Please don't. God is here and he wants to help you. For those of you who are praying, and I speak authority on you, protection and life, words of knowledge and wisdom and healing, prophetic, words that break the rock to pieces, to set at liberty captives, to establish foundations and works. to call forth destiny and purpose. And I'm kind of belaying this just for a second, hoping that if there's something that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with you about this morning, wants you to seek prayer for, that you will pay attention to that and say yes to that rather than just being anxious to get on with your day. Lord, we're listening. How many times we ask, God, would you speak to me? And then he's making it so plain and we just walk by it. Don't do that. Lord, for those who are going, cause your face to shine upon them. Be with them. Strengthen them. Bless them. Take them beyond today into their week. Whatever's coming their way, be with them, Lord for those who need prayer. It's okay to say, I believe, help my unbelief. Help me, Lord. All in all, thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Okay, if you need to go, feel free to go ahead and do that. Just go reverently, please. For those of you who need prayer, you can either come immediately or you can wait on the Holy Spirit to be directed. You can come as a single, a couple, a family, friends, however you feel like the Lord wants to move you.